business success usually comes to those who are too busy to be looking for it. Join RVK for the award-winning RV on Business Show every Tuesday at 12 midday. It's not about thinking out of the box. There is no box. Only on 101.9 High FM. Welcome to 101.9 High FM. It's six minutes past 12. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you for so much for staying with us. Today, we've got a slightly different show to normal. Every so often, I go through all the questions that we've been asked on the show over the last couple of months. And I must say, there have been numerous that have come through. And I sort of collate them into different groups. And then I take a show and I go through them, you know, in, in the categories that they've been asked, asked about. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through all the questions that have been asked and the broad categories are, first of all, the normal suspects, life cover, how much do I need, where should I buy it, what's the difference between different companies. The second one that keeps coming up is income continuation, income replacement, um, PHI at work, all those type of benefits we're going to be discussing. The vast majority of the questions have been, been, been about retirement, saving is in tax, so we'll discuss that. And then my portfolio and what to do with the variations in the markets. So that we have touched on. We had a whole show with Wayne McCurry about three, four weeks ago about that. But I'll go back to that and just really visit and look at what the market's doing and take it from there. So let's start off with the, the first um, set of questions. So... Temba asked a question on February this year, and Temba wanted to know that I'm being hounded by a broker at, and he mentions the company, which I won't mention, to move my product from this company to, from a company that I'm invested in and that I've had my life insurance and my retirement savings with for many, many years, even though I do not have an active financial advisor, this new broker is pressurizing me to move and telling me that the product is better and the product is cheaper. With most things in life, they're usually not better if they're cheaper. How does this work? Okay, so Temba, let's, let's go through things in some very broad brushstrokes. First of all, there's a costing for life cover and it's, there's a slight variation between the companies. So per 100,000, what it will cost you to have an amount of life cover, there's a costing across the board and different actuaries have different exposures to that. Certain companies like Discovery, for example, align that together with their wellness program where they have certain statistics that can prove that if you are healthier and they can keep you healthier, the risk reduces and therefore they can afford to charge less on a particular quote. So those are the things that you need to look at. It's not just the life cover in isolation. It's together with all the other programs that come with it. And I'm certainly never going to say that it's better or that it's worse. Rather that one needs to have a look at it in isolation and understand what you've got before you make a move. There is a very, very important corollary to that. And that is if your health status has changed. If it has changed, keep listening, but we need to take a quick ad break. And when we come back, I will discuss that point about health changing. 
This is RV on Business. Welcome back to 101.9 Hi FM. Just to let you know that this show is all about the questions that you've sent me over the last while. And we're going through them one by one. And hopefully we'll be able to get through not each question, but sorry, each question in a general um, in the general category. So we're talking about life cover. And I would said before the break that if you've had a health change since you took out life cover, keep listening, because this is a very, very important point. If, for example, you took out life cover when you were a lot younger and you've got life cover and severe illness and disability, and it's an older product, which means that the, the, the disability and the severe illness accelerate against the life cover. What that means, for example, if you have a million rand life cover and 500,000 rand disability and 500,000 rand severe illness, if that person had to go out for bed, have a heart attack, and the company paid out the 500,000 on the severe illness, the disability it probably would fall away and the life cover would reduce to 500,000 um, rand. So you diminish your life cover by claiming on your other benefits. These days you can buy benefits like severe illness, and disability and one or two other benefits that are what we call standalone or non-accelerated, which means in the same scenario of a million rand life cover, 500,000 disability and 500,000 severe illness, if you had to claim on the severe illness for, let's say a heart attack and the company paid you out in full, your life cover would remain unaffected and so would your disability and with some companies, your life cover, your sorry, your severe illness would reinstate should you survive the episode, which you obviously would if they were paying out. And then one can claim on it for other products, so for other um, events, or one can claim on for the same event going further, depending with some companies whether it's more severe or not, or if it just reoccurs, then one would be able to um, to claim. So to answer Tamba's question in very broad brushstrokes, if you've had a change in health, I certainly would not recommend that you change the cover because what's going to happen, let's say, for example, you've had heart issues. As minor as they might be, the new company will say, yes, we'll give you the million rand life cover and half a million disability and half a million rand severe illness. But on the severe illness, or critical illness, depending which company, we are going to give it to you, but we're going to give you an exclusion for anything to do with cardiac events, anything to do with the heart. But that's the reason you need the policy because you've already proven to yourself that that's the event that you've had, that's the event that you might have already be paid out. This is RV on Business. Welcome back to 101.9 Chai FM. I don't know how long I was talking to myself for there as the load shedding kicked in before the backup power took over and allowed us to go back on air. So let me just continue from where I was. Very simply that if you are given cover with the loading, my advice always is to take it because at least you know what you've got. The two biggest challenges when it comes to the not loadings, rather exclusions, are emotional wellness um, exclusions. So, in other words, anything to do with anything psychological. It could be something like depression, bipolar, something more severe like schizophrenia. You might feel that your 
emotional condition is under control and it's been under control for a long time and you're on a medical a medicine regime and it's working well, the reality is that you have that condition. And if you had to turn the tables on yourself and say, would you insure for that condition? The answer is most probably not. So therefore take the cover with the exclusion. Remember, an exclusion is not a life sentence. One can always get exclusion removed should the circumstances change. Let's give you a very practical example. A lady has a baby. She has postnatal depression. She's seen a specialist. She's on medication. And the life insurance company will give her life cover. They say they won't load the life cover, but the severe illness and maybe even the disability, they want a mental health or an emotional exclusion, depending what terminology they use. If you know that this is postnatal depression and you've had it for six months and your specialist has told you that it will pass and they will wean you off the medication and you hope that in the future you'll be absolutely fine, I would then look at taking it because once time passes and you and the good things do happen, like you weaned off the medication and you feel strong and confident, I would then reapproach the insurance company and say, what do I need to do to get exclusion removed? Because the exclusion most likely will not be just for postnatal depression. If it is, well, then if that's not an issue that you suffer from, then don't worry about it but it will be a broader exclusion. And they might ask you to jump through a few hoops of fire, which are worth jumping through because once you've cleared them, then you can get the exclusion removed and you can move on. So that's something that I would, I would really like to, um, to just emphasize there, that one needs to, to be aware that exclusions can be removed if you feel they are a temporary thing. And if you feel that they're not temporary, then the reality is that they're there and one needs to live with them. So we're going to take a quick ad break after we just took a load shedding break and we'll be back with you in a moment. This is RV on Business. So welcome back to the RV on Money show and we were discussing in broad brush strokes um, loadings and exclusions on life cover. So what is the difference between loading and an exclusion? An exclusion means that they are not going to cover you for a certain event. A loading means that the insurance company is turning around to say to you and say, yes, we are happy to insure you, but you're going to pay slightly more because you feel your risk is slightly higher. Also bear in mind that that loading doesn't necessarily apply uniformly across all products. So again, in our example, if you've got life cover, severe illness and disability, you might have your life cover loaded at 25%, your severe illness loaded at 50%, and your disability loaded at, I don't know, 100%. So then you can choose how you want to manipulate that and how you want it to come out. If you feel that life cover is the most important thing to have, well, then you are prepared to pay the little bit extra and maybe reduce the disability if you've got enough or if you've got something elsewhere. So those are those. Um, different aspects when it comes to loadings. Loadings, again, can also be reversed should you prove that the reason they load you the due is no longer there. So once again, an emotional um, um, wellness being, so an emotional wellness challenge, 
if you can um, this, um, get um, proof that after a while that challenge is no longer there, you can get it removed. If there was something that they were not sure about, there was a heart murmur at the time, and it came up on the test that the insurance company did, and you didn't have time to go to a cardiologist to get it verified, get a check, get a report, then yes, accept the loadings, and then you might have to, out of your own pocket, go to a specialist, have it checked out, which would be good for you anyway. And if the specialist says to yes, I see what they're saying, I appreciate why they're loading it, but here's a report to tell them that there's nothing to really worry about. Those are the different options that you have. And you know, those of us who've been in the industry for a long time, all those stories where clients have been very, very upset, there's been a loading or an exclusion, and we said to them, well, go have this checked out. And said, so, well, I had a check a year ago and nothing's wrong. And then for whatever reason, they amble over and they have a check. And then they call you to say, thank you so much. I was unaware that this thing has developed further. I was unaware that something new had cropped up. And thanks to you, I've got this clear, you know, and I've been able to deal with it. So to, to answer Tampa's question, and there were a few others like that, if you are paying a million rand for life cover at company A, I say, if you're paying a thousand rand for a million rand life cover at company A, and you're paying 980, 900 at company B, that I can live with. But if company B is offering it to you for 450 rand, then you need to ask yourself the honest question. If it's too good to be true, it often is. It cannot be the same sort of thing. So your answer could be, but life cover is life cover. If I don't wake up, if I get killed, God, they'll pay. Yes and no. Is the underwriting up front? Are they expecting you to go for tests now? Or are they going to underwrite you at claim stage? Which means that their risk is lower during the period. And there's a higher chance of repudiation at, at, at the claim, at stage claim. You want to make sure that you are absolutely clear upfront. And these days, when you look at quotes, every line item is itemized. So you can literally go and compare item for item, life, severe illness, disability, income protection, you know, and all the different terminologies. So that's life cover there in, in broad brushstrokes. The, the other question that I keep getting asked, which is almost nonsensical, and I must say I find very, very frustrating, is why do I need life cover when my children are teenagers, they'll be finishing school soon, my wife does work, and should I pass away, they'll have to find a way to manage. Well, besides being extremely selfish, I just find it absolutely daft. For a few hundred rand, you can have life cover, you can make sure that your wife and your children are not left scrounging for pennies when you pass away and that you do the correct thing and the decent thing. Yes, it might be a cash flow item, which it really often is. People just don't have the extra money. And then look at different ways of doing it. Maybe you can take term cover. Other words, only take life cover for five years or 10 years, just to ensure that your youngest is out the house or off the payroll so that you don't leave a mess when you pass away. Make sure that you've covered your estate duty. Make sure you've covered the transfer costs. Make sure you've covered the executor's fees. All these things are going to crop up when you pass away. 
make sure you have life cover for that. And today there are certain mark products that you can take out that cover all those things in total. So all those things are covered, but all, most of them are covered in the product itself. So that limits your exposure when and if an event happens. I really believe that short uh, that that's a term cover is something to really look at if you're really worried about the cash flow. But make sure that you've got the three vital things covered. Number one, your family. Number two, costs of dying. And number three, debt. You want to make sure that when you pass away, your debt is settled so that it isn't somebody else's issue. Right. Let's move on to the next one. The next one is income continuation, income replacement, PHI at work. So let's talk about what the product is in broad brush terms. Unfortunately, in South Africa, it's not the go-to product, which I strongly believe it should be. What this product does is it replaces your income, your net income after tax, tax-free for a period of time should an event happen. So let's take an example. You're a physiotherapist, you go mountain biking and you fall off your bike. You've now sprained your wrist and you are unable to work for six weeks. If you have income continuation benefit or income replacement benefit, you can then approach an insurance company and say, right, I have this benefit. I would like to claim on it because here's the doctor's note that says, this is my injury, and this is the time I cannot work for. The insurance company will look at a few things. Number one, they'll look, do you have the benefit? We take it for granted you do if you claim. Number two, what is the waiting period? How long do you need to wait before you can claim? Your waiting period can be anything from no waiting period or seven days, which is usually one and the same thing, to one month, three months, six months, or even a year. So in our scenario, if you're a physio and you're self-employed, to have anything but an, a no waiting period or a seven-day waiting period really doesn't make sense. Unless you can turn around and say, I have one month's worth of income in reserve, the difference in premium between having no waiting period and having a one-month waiting period justifies me taking the one month and keeping a one month salary in a bank account in reserve should I need it. Or three months should you have that flexibility. Nevertheless, it's all good and well in theory. Practically, most of us do not keep money aside in an event like this. In the event something like this should happen, number one. And number two, when it does happen, there's always other expenses that crop up. There's other medical expenses that might not be covered by medical aid. There's other certain things that maybe are paid out of the practice that all of a sudden, when there's no income, become very difficult to pay. And that's why I believe that this product is the most important. So it's the waiting period that you need to look at. The second one is the amount that you insure it for. And here I refer to really a high earners, people who earn very, very comfortably and earn, you know, in excess, I don't know, maybe two, three hundred thousand rand a month. They might turn around and say, you know what, if something should happen to me, I will only need about a hundred. The extra 200 are all on luxuries. Do yourself a favor and go revisit that statement. 
because my experience is that when you do claim, and unfortunately, when you claim permanently, in other words, you're never going to be able to work again, the 100,000 rand, the third of what you were earning, is wholly insufficient. And now you're peddling backwards to try to understand how and why. And it all boiled down to the fact that to ensure your full income was very, very expensive. So I would just look at it in totality and make sure that you've got at least the bare minimum absolutely covered so that should you not be able to work ever again, you have enough money to come in. The next issue to look at in income continuation or income protection is how long the benefit is going to pay out for. The benefit can pay out for to a particular age, age 55, 60, 65, 70. And today you can buy income replacement that pays out for the whole of life. In other words, it will pay out until you pass away. That is not a, a gospelly true statement because it does start tapering towards the after age 65 or 70 in most cases, but it is clearly detailed in the quote. But I would truly recommend that you go have a look at that because that doesn't give you a point at which the income replacement stops. The other side of that coin is as you get older, you might have put a 55-year um, age for when the benefit expires when you took it out when you qualified at age 30 as a specialist, all of a sudden now you're 45 and you've still got an expiry in 10 years, which means that if you get injured today, you're only going to get paid out for 10 years. And that's why it's very, very important to revisit that, to make sure that that retirement date is pushed out as far as it is so that you can get as much benefit from it, number one. And number two, is that you're not paying for a benefit that you might only get a year or two benefit out of should you claim. Please just go and revisit it. And then again, just to add on to what I said earlier about life cover, you might get to a point now where they say to you, yes, doctor, we can give you life um, income continuation and protection, but we're going to exclude X. Let's use all heart conditions once again because you've had heart issues over the years. Then what I'd look at maybe doing is keeping the cover you have and extending it with the new cover with the exclusion. So that should you get, God forbid, get hit by the proverbial bus, then you've got your full income covered. Should you have a heart event, then you've only got the original amount covered and the new amount won't cover you for that. So those are the, the, the different issues to look at there. And then the next issue, and I've seen this so many times, and it's absolutely scary, it's shocking, is that there's no increase on an annual basis on the benefit. So you've got your income covered, but that's going to be great in the first 12 months. It's going to be good in the next 12 months. In month 24 to 36, it starts getting tough. Month 36 thereafter, inflation raises its ugly head and stares you in the face. And all of a sudden, you come to the hard realization that I am not going to be able to pay my medical aid in 10 years' time or even five years' time. So those are the concerns that we have when it comes to not increasing your, your income protection. So the four issues are, number one, 
the amount of cover. Number two is the waiting period. Number three is the expiry date. And number four is the increase on the cover every single year. It is quite an interesting exercise to sit down and play with the figures with your financial advisor on the laptop and play with all the different permutations. But please do yourself a favor. Start with the top permutation. In other words, the highest increase possible every year. Whole of life, in other words, the product doesn't expire. Your correct income and an inflation plus increase every year. So you know what the most expensive, what we'd call maybe the Rolls Royce benefit is. And then you can start to come down from there. But I would never compromise on quality. Always try to get the best sort of cover, even if the amount is slightly less. So I hope I've answered um, all the all the questions over there as applying to that. The last issue that we need to look at is the conflict between having PHI, which is your protection of income in, on your pension or provident-funded work, and having it privately. Here we go into a slightly gray area. The first thing you need to know is that you will not get paid out on both. So if you earn 100,000 Rand net and your company has got you insured for 75,000 and you've insured yourself for 75,000, you will only get paid out by your company. The life insurance company will not get paid because you can't earn two incomes. But if you say, okay, my company's paying me 75, I'm going to insure myself for 25 to get the shortfall, that one can have a look at doing. One can go ahead and do that. And then the insurance company will say, oh, you have earned 100 net. They're giving 75, we'll give 25. And that's a way of doing it. The other advantage of looking at doing something like that is that the two might pay out differently. You might get a temporary payout from your private insurance, whereas you won't get it from your corporate, your company insurance, because they might only pay out on total and permanent disability. So that's the, the other thing to look at there. Okay, moving swiftly along because we're running out of time and we still have an ad break to come up is retirement savings. I've seen lots of emails that have come through, a lot of SMSs that have come through. And let me start off by saying, there is no voodoo economics. There's no magic wand. There's no magic elixir that one can take to make up for retirement savings that you've missed, except for huge amounts of money going forward. And then the corollary to that is start saving early and save in a product that you cannot access when life happens. And that is a lot of about a lot about the questions that I'm getting is, you know, I'm 45, I'm 50, I'm in my 60s, I haven't got enough. What can I do? Keep working in simple English. I'm sorry to be so frank, but that's the answer to your question. If you look at certain people who don't have a choice when it comes to savings, civil servants, policemen, nurses, teachers in government schools, people who work in big corporates and have stayed there their whole lives, which doesn't really happen today, all of a sudden, they can start looking at their retirement and saying, oh, 
if I retire with no debt, if I retire with um, no mortgages, for example, I can afford to live on less and I should be able to do it on the money that I've saved. Why? Because I've been, been saving through those early years that have had 40, 50 years to compound on themselves. So let's take a quick ad break. And when we come back, what I want to discuss is pension, provident, and retirement annuity. This is RV on Business. Welcome back to 101.9 High FM. And today we're answering all your financial planning questions. Hopefully we'll try get through the last few that we have here about retirement savings. Difference between pension, provident, and retirement annuities. Pension and provident, you can only be a member of if you work for a company and you're a member of that company. So if you work for, whether it's a smaller company, you know, a one-man show who's got a few employees or she has a few employees, or you work for a big company, I don't know, Standard Bank, or you work for the government, then you can go onto a pension and provident fund. What it really means is there's three portions to it. The company will deduct money from your salary. One will go to life cover. One amount will go to life cover. The other one will go to disability cover. And there might be some other benefits. And the third will go to retirement savings. When it comes to those deductions, there's no difference beyond a pension or a provident. doesn't make a difference. They're both going to be deducted. Your life cover will be a factor of your income. So it'll be two, three, four, usually up to five maximum, but it can go up to eight times your life, your, your annual salary. So if you're earning a million rand, then you'll have, if it's three times, three million rand life coming. You could have disability at the same. So you'll have three times your annual salary disability, or you can have, as we discussed in the previous segment, PHI, which means that you won't get a lump sum you'll get a monthly amount up until a certain age as a percentage of your salary, which is usually 75%, but it could be lower. You need to look at it. There are instances where you can get both, where you can get income protection or PHI, and you can get disability, but that's usually at the higher level management um, um, areas. That's where that benefit um, kicks in. Retirement annuity, anybody can have. So it doesn't make a difference whether you're a member of pension or provident fund. You can still have a retirement annuity. A retirement annuity can be taken out by anybody in South Africa, so long as you've got an ID number, you can take out a retirement annuity. The commonality amongst the three of them is they are all tax deductible. But bear in mind that they're all tax deductible or together as a lump sum. So the amount is 27.5%. So on 100,000, that would be 27,500 is tax deductible. So in other words, at the end of the year, when you're doing your tax, technically what happens, instead of SARS charging you tax on 100,000, they they're going to charge you tax on 72,500 because the deduction that you're getting from having the retirement annuity. So for most people, that's a cash outflow from the cash flow point of view. You pay your RA every month, and then you get the refund at the end of the year. And some people are able to work it through HR, where they get the tax deduction on a monthly basis if your HR is willing to do it for you, if you have your own retirement annuity. 
the questions often asked is that my pension or provident fund or both at work is very large in the portion that I'm saving. Should I have an RA over and above that because I'm not saving enough, but I'm now out of the threshold of what is tax deductible? And the answer to that in most cases is yes, you should, because you never lose the tax deduction. The deduction is just deferred to when you start drawing an income. I know it sounds quite confusing, but it's just delayed so that when you start drawing an income, you can use those tax credits at the time. The other thing that I think is very, very important if you're self-employed is that your retirement annuity, if you've done it correctly and not in a dishonest way, can never be touched by a creditor. So I had a scenario many years ago where I had a client who was an electrician who passed away and his business was absolutely insolvent. He owned all his suppliers, he owned his land, owed his landlord, he owed the bank on his vehicle, and all the vultures just came in and took whatever was left. What they couldn't touch was his retirement annuity, which he had his two daughters who weren't even living in the country at the time as beneficiaries, and they got every penny of that. So that is an important thing to think about. More important to think about is what happens if you don't die and you close your business and it's insolvent and you have to set off assets and now you are an older person. Your retirement annuity can never be touched. They cannot take it away from you if you haven't used it to siphon money that you should have paid creditors with off. So that's the important thing to, to, to think about when it comes to um, to retirement savings is that even though it's a forced product and it's a product that you almost need to have and you can't touch your money until you retire, it's very, very important to have it because it gives you the ability to save without having the, the ability to touch the money. When can you touch the money? You can touch the money if you go for the pass away. It can be passed away, passed on to your family or beneficiary. If you become totally and permanently disabled, there's a possibility to get it. If you immigrate, there's a possibility to get it. That just changed in March of this year. You now have to wait three years, but you can get it. And remember, there's tax to pay if you do pull it out early. But when you retire, remember that if you're at the current rate, if your money is over in an RA, 275,000 Rand, you cannot draw it as a lump sum. You need to take one-third one as a lump sum, of which the first 500,000, if you've never made another withdrawal, is tax-free, and the balance you can buy an annuity with. So that's the way it works um, in retirement. Craig, unfortunately, we up against the clock. Thank you so much, everybody, for sending in your questions. Thanks, everybody, for sending in everything that you, you asked. I hope we've really answered all your questions. And just to give you a little bit of a teaser for next week, we have one of the top um, public speakers coming, one of the top motivational business people to really give you an idea as, as to how to get through difficult times, how to handle times that are really, really challenging. So next week, um, Cindy Northcott will be on the show and I look very, very forward to, to having her and to asking her the questions that about her new book and of the relevant topics that we're going to be discussing. Craig, thanks for pushing the buttons. Everybody, thanks for listening. We'll speak to you next week.